Welcome to AwareCast. In this podcast, we talk about information security risks in your day-to-day life, both on and offline. Each episode, we interview a specialist from their field about recognizable situations. AwareCast aims to inspire and inform you to become more resilient against information security threats and increase your security awareness. This podcast is hosted by AwareWays, a company that helps organizations with behavioral change in the field of information security and privacy. Welcome to this episode of the AwareCast. Um, today we have uh, two special guests with us. Uh, again, we have a guest from AwareWays, Sjoerd van Veldhuizen. Uh, he's a data analyst. Uh, and our special guest today, extra special guest today, uh, is Judy Bau. She's part of the Dutch national BMX team. Um, so uh, maybe let's go uh, a round of introductions. I'll start quickly. Uh, I'm Joost. I am a developer here at AwareWays. Um, and I also host this podcast because uh, <laughs> I like to do it, I guess. Uh, Shurt, uh, what is your uh, background? Maybe tell, tell me a bit about uh, who you are, what keeps you busy in uh, your life, in your day-to-day. Yeah, so uh, I'm Shurt. Uh, I work as a data analyst at Awareways, but I have a background in social psychology. Uh, and I also try to implement that uh, in my work at Awareways in the data analysis that we do. Um, to see how we can use that to change behavior because that's what psychology is all about. Cool. Uh, how about you, Judy? Yeah, I'm Judy Bau. I'm 29. And like you said, I'm an Olympic athlete I'm doing BMX racing for the Dutch team. Um, yeah, I'm doing that full time. Uh, I have a degree in physiotherapy. Uh, but right now I'm not working besides it. So it's 100% full-time sports full-time yeah. sports and being an athlete, athlete. Yeah. <laughs> 24-7. I can imagine it's a dream for a lot of people to be a professional athlete. What do you think? Is that... It is, it is, is, it, is a it, dream. Is real life, is it uh, as good as the dream? It is a dream. Like, of course, every job has its ups and its downs. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think... Being an athlete, yeah, you just make your hobby into your work. And I think that's, yeah, that's very special. And I sometimes when I'm practicing in the rain or in the cold, I'm not thinking about that. But like 90% of the time, it's, uh, yeah, it's a dream coming true. Nice. Um, How did you get into BMX in the first place? Like I can imagine BMX isn't the the most like well-known sports, not as much as like football, for example, here in Europe? Um, yeah, I was a little girl. I was only four years old when I started. Uh, my family was uh, very into it. My brother started BMX racing when he was like seven years old. He wanted to do motocross, but my parents said, yeah, that was a bit too expensive and he was a little too young. So they saw BMX racing and... It was a cool sport to start, and but they all got hooked. Not only my brother, but also my parents were very, very into it. Did they also jump on the bikes? No, uh, but okay. my but my <laughs> father Shame. he um, he liked to repair the bikes. Yeah, yeah. So he got his interest in the bikes itself, and he even started his own company, like a wow. small company with cool. selling bikes, and yeah, everything that comes with it. And my mother, she jumped into the yeah, responsibilities of the club where we 
practiced a lot. So she was like president for a long time, for a few years there. And yeah, as a little girl, I always had to, I had to go with them to every practice because I, I'm not staying alone at home when you're four Mm -hmm. years old. And yeah, the side wheels came off and that was the moment they uh, thought it was a good idea to (laughs) push me to the... Down the hill. Yeah, down the hill. (laughs) It's also a funny story. It's also my first crash Uh, already. (laughs) I I wasn't fast enough and like the first jump, I was going backwards and then I crashed already. But that's basically BMX. At four years old, I can imagine that's that's very common or at least... The expected result of you ask me, like, yeah. don't I couldn't imagine sending a four-year-old down a BMX racetrack. It's crazy. <laughs> uh-huh. For those of those, for those of you that may or may not know, like BMX racing, you have a bunch of hills, right? You you start up on a big hill, and then there's a series of jumps uh, that you need to go over, banked turns, etc. And then the first across the line uh, just wins, I yeah. guess, right? Yeah. So, all right. Uh, so our goal today here, I think, is to try and compare or try and match our worlds. Uh, so Shuret and I come from a business-to-business world, very uh, office-heavy while you're driving a bike through mud, um, which is very, very different in a lot of ways, I think. Um, but there's, a, there's also a bunch of ways where you can compare and see, hey, we can draw uh, or we can learn from each other in, in this place here. Um, so to sum it up, I think, uh, is how can we learn uh, as the world of information security, how can we learn from the world of top sports? Uh, that's probably our, our goal here today. I, no idea. Maybe sure you already have something in mind where you think a, a topic or a, a direction where we, where we should look to? Well, uh, I, I think that your, uh, your first background story about you falling <laughs> as a four-year-old is uh, maybe an, an interesting uh, one to start with. Because uh, I think that, you know, in, in sports, you, you often have uh, setbacks uh, where you fall or maybe you have an injury. Um, but also in, in business life, you know, you, you can also have, uh, have setbacks. You can maybe have a data leak, uh, stuff like that. Uh, and I think it's very important in both for both um, to learn how to handle such setbacks, you know, mentally, physically. Um, so I'm interested to hear how you tackle those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to be really resilient. Like uh, you can train a lot with all the different circumstances, but you don't know what's going to happen in a race or... Um, yeah, sometimes it's it's just different than you than you prepared for, and yeah. I think that's that's the biggest thing athletes should have is just be resilient, and that's also maybe for companies you um, you can be prepared for not for everything. Yeah. So mm-hmm. be resilient, and and you have to know what your opponents. You don't know what your opponent's going to do, and you have to try to to beat them. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe adapting on the fly is yeah. really important. How how often do you think that happens? Where you're in the middle of a race, and you and you see something happen, and you think, "Crap, this is not what I prepared <laughs> for." Is that like every race, or is that? Yeah, that's every race. That's even in, in in practice. It's just everything. It, it could be different. It could be the wind. It could be. Um, 
yeah, the the track is not uh, the same everywhere. Mm. Um, yeah, it's just always different circumstances, and you have to adapt and move on. <laughs> yeah, it must must be a big big challenge. I can imagine. It's yeah. crazy. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I de- definitely agree. Um, being able to adapt based on um, what people want uh, in business, especially, is really important. Uh, like being able to adapt as a business to the needs of a client uh, is really important to be relevant in the, in the industry. So um, I think that's a, that's a big, big point, or at least a very... Uh, Yeah, good comparison. Very, yeah. very solid comparison. Yeah. Uh, also, what you were saying about your uh, competitors, your your uh, yeah, your competitors, that you always have to watch out for what they're doing mm-hmm. um, to make sure that you're you're also uh, uh, adapting yourself to that. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that's also uh, a good comparison. Yeah, you only have yourself. You can't. Um, yeah, how do you say it? Like the others. You, you don't have in hand what the others do. So you try to be prepared yourself as much as you can do. Mm-hmm. And you try to stay focused on your own task. And that's the only thing you can do. You 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 don't know what the other's going to do. So stay by yourself. And that's probably also the mindset you should have. Otherwise yeah. you will be yeah focused on things you don't have in hand. Yeah. Yeah, you, you of course you also have to you know look at where you're going yourself because otherwise I imagine you would fall mm-hmm. over. Yeah, you have <laughs> exactly. to sometimes some competitors doing things like I don't know falling in front of you. Then you have to, um, yeah, you you have to do something you, you in split second. <laughs> yeah, yeah, then you have to do something yeah. in split second. But you just try to do your own task, and you're not thinking about oh maybe he's gonna crash or yeah. hmm. you're yeah. you just stay with your own task yeah it's it's less anticipating it's more reacting it's more reacting yeah. in the race it's more reacting yep cool um i have some statements prepared uh from before the show uh just to to prime uh, the conversation a bit quality of training is more important than efficiency yeah it depends when uh, I think right in front of racing for a big uh, race, for example, uh, the World Championships or something, or World Cup, then quality, it's mm. better. Because you still have to rest a lot. So you only do, mm. you do less, but the quality has to be good. And in the winter period, we are more uh, efficiency, like doing way more um, training but less quality I guess you're yeah. you're feeling empty you're tired you're yeah maybe just specifically is that maybe more endurance training then that you do during winter or power or uh, both yeah you you just uh, try to be better like stronger but then you have to train harder mm-hmm. um, but you're not fully um yeah, rested. Does this also come with uh, more risks of getting injuries um, in the winter period? Yeah, maybe because you're. Um, yeah, you try to get it all out 
for example, if you have a three-week program and then the last uh, training is like just everything needs to get it out so you're really empty and, and that's that's when you're going to make mistakes, yes. Yeah. So it's 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 also riskful, yeah. Yeah, uh, I can imagine. Uh, making mistakes is uh, something that we often talk about as well, uh, insecurity awareness, of course, yeah. because one person's mistake can mean a lot for the entire company sometimes. Um, phishing is the obvious like example there. If somebody clicks on a phishing link uh, in an email, that could mean that the entire system of the company goes down, uh, gets infected with some ransomware, for example. Um, so in, in some scenarios, uh, insecurity awareness, uh, we like to... Um, try to avoid making mistakes at all costs. That's what some people think is the way to go, yeah. is trying to avoid mistakes at all costs. Um, but yeah. from a learning perspective, people learn through making mistakes. I think with BMX, maybe you're a bit in the middle ground where you say making mistakes is important, but you'd rather not break a bone, right? <laughs> so, Yeah, that's true. You try to minimize the, uh, the risks. And um, mm -hmm. yeah, if it... You, you, it's yeah, it's it's always riskful to get up that eight meter hill, but you try to be yeah. as much um, rested and and f in form as it could be. Mm. Yeah, yeah, because well, just just like that uh, example that you just gave with clicking on a phishing link. I mean, if, if imagine if you're tired and you're you know going through your mailbox, uh, or or you don't have much time then you're also probably going to make mistakes, just like when you're going down that hill. And if you're exactly. tired. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think health uh, is, is really important, I guess, for, for companies to... Yeah, they, they, they really need to be uh, rested so they won't make those mistakes, like fishing or something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's definitely a, a thing, yeah. I think, um, I think it's really important especially when you're talking about fishing is um, I think it's a f more than a fact. I think it's pretty much proven that you make more mistakes in general uh, regarding fishing and stuff like that. Uh, if you're tired or if you're uh, exactly. at the end of the day, there's, there's a high risk of getting uh, caught by that because you, you've just meant you've mentally checked out already. Yeah. Um, I think there's a, there's a ton, especially like, um, when you're talking about working hours that can change, that we already see change, especially globally, um, companies moving to maybe a four-hour work or four-hour, <laughs> imagine a, a four-day, imagine oh, <laughs> four-hour work week would be great. Um, no, I, I meant a four-day work week. Um, that's that's something that's that you see happening a lot globally. Um, and I think getting the rest um, in any profession is really important. Um, of course, if you're in professional sports, if you're competing, you need to be able to rest properly and need to be able to plan exercise versus rest. Uh, but yeah. in general, if you're walking, if you're working in an office job, then making sure you're rested will significantly reduce risks of uh, phishing attacks and stuff right. like that. Um, so my next statement here uh, is continuous training is the key to avoid making mistakes. Uh, Short, maybe you go first. Uh, yeah, well, I think that, uh, of course, con continuous training uh, does help against making mistakes. But 
there's also here a balance to find because uh, imagine, for example, you're training against uh, phishing links or how to classify information, stuff like that. Uh, and you have to do that every day and you can't you know, go on with the, the rest of your work. Then it's, then it's going to hinder you in your work and it's maybe going to frustrate you. Um, so here, I also think it's very important to find that balance uh, with, with training, but also resting from what you're training from. Um, again, with, uh, just like with BMX is the case. But are you talking about like one hour a week or how For many training, training in, yeah, in, in information security? You mean? Yeah. Um, how many hours? Well, there, there's a, uh, a learning, the diminishing effect that if you only, for example, learn something every once in a year, then it's going to diminish uh, over the months. So I would say that uh, every month, an hour or two, you know, uh, continuous learning, um, that that would be uh, very good. I, I think there were even uh, studies that also found that roughly every three weeks, learning something for a short period of time, that that uh, was the most, uh, that, that it worked the best for your, for your brain and that it didn't frustrate you. Um, so I guess that would be the, the optimal case, three weeks. <laughs> It's it's definitely a challenge um, that we also see that in uh, security awareness programs a lot, uh, where the biggest challenge isn't necessarily getting the people uh, to do a training, uh, but the challenge is more to repeat trainings or to make sure that the yeah. uh, that the time that they're training is repeated in some sense, or um, that they're talking about the subject uh, often. That's often the bigger challenge. Um, to keep thing to keep people like busy with the topic, yeah, to really make it part of your routine. Yeah, exactly. Uh, to to build it into what people are doing in their day to day work. So, the magic word uh, we create awareness in uh, a company. Yeah. Um, so people are aware of the risks uh, surrounding data and aware of the value of information. For example, um, if you create that awareness. Uh, which is our ultimate goal. Um, you have a very resilient, uh, cohesive group in that sense. Um, the the challenge, of course, is to create that awareness. Like you can train one person, you can train a group of people, yeah. um, but keeping that training or having a lasting effect on that training is the bigger challenge. Um, people might remember what they learned for a couple of days, but... Of course, what we're trying to do isn't training somebody for a test. We're training yeah. people to uh, change their behavior in some way. Um, so that takes long-term training. It takes uh, multiple uh, interventions is what we like to call it. Um, and I think for you that also probably resonates where um, you train uh, certain aspects, but you don't train one aspect and then move on to the next. You repeatedly no, yeah. train the different aspects over the course of a yeah. long period of time. Some some things we only train like uh, once a month or something. Yeah, that's true. So uh, yeah, it really depends on um, where we are in, in in the program of the year. Um, but the, yeah, that's true. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's a good link. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
So our last statement that I have here is more regarding the privacy sector of like the company Wearways works in sec- uh, uh, information security, but also privacy. Um, privacy is a hotly debated topic, as, as well as in our previous podcast. There it was a it was a fun topic to to discuss yeah. uh, with our guest. Um, but I think privacy is also really important for like people might not realize it nowadays. But I think one of the more visible or visible or noticeable uh, aspects about privacy is if you're uh, a public individual, uh, such as yourself. I think. Um, you're, you need to have some sort of presence on social media. That's basically a fact of life nowadays for top sports, wouldn't you agree? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, um, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then every time you need to interact with social media, uh, the word privacy usually always comes up. Um, so I have this statement here. Being visible uh, is important, but maintaining privacy is more important. What would you say? Definitely, yes. Um, I'm someone, yeah, I, I really have a love-hate relationship with social media. Me too. <laughs> like, our sport needs the social media, like, for sponsoring and also for me and for my sponsor to expose. Um, but I, yeah, like, the, the cost is your own privacy and I chose to only expose my self as an athlete so not mm-hmm. not my personal uh like my private things i i just don't um i just don't post that and i chose that um because yeah i i just respect my privacy yeah and why uh why why would you say that you respect your privacy is it certain things that you don't want people finding out or do you for example not whine not want the uh, a, a Facebook, for example, to uh, to save your cookies and give you some advertisements? Um, I think more like you can't really look in the future. You don't really know. Like I, I'm, If you Google me, you find a lot of pictures already. And yeah. I, just, um, I just don't really want to put my private life on, on the socials. You just don't know what in the future holds. For yeah. example, um, if I ever got kids, um, what they will do if yeah their mom exposed a lot of things about them or about her as well. You do, you just don't know in the future what it will hold. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a very wise wise statement. How about you, Short? Do you ever feel like you uh, keep uh, your privacy in check when you when you like log on to uh, Instagram or something like that? Uh, well, I do have a personal Instagram, <laughs> um, but I don't use it uh, much anymore. Uh, I I felt like as a teenager, I didn't really care much about it. You know, mm-hmm. privacy, I was like, well, whatever. Uh, I, I don't have anything to hide is what you usually hear and what I also thought at the time. Um, but then as I grew older, I, I started to realize how much your information is actually is actually worth. You know that companies can can use it to uh, uh, to give you advertisements, or that insurance companies can use it some way to uh, um, change your premium, or or you know I, I mean even in the worst cases it can lead to identity theft. Not that I've uh, been a victim of any of that, but luckily. But I can imagine that uh, you know th- those things can 
be spooky, especially if you're a public figure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, then then there's a lot of a lot of information known known uh, on the internet uh, about you, and then you know, I can imagine that you're afraid that people might use it for something bad, like identity theft or or spear phishing. Um, is that also one of the one of the reasons? I I like to th- keep things a little bit more private. Uh, not not really because of the things you just mentioned. Just um, just I don't don't want to be a really yeah big influencer. Like uh, yeah. it's just a personal preference at the end yeah, of the day. I, I, yeah, I yeah. So. That I also think, matters, of course. I think <laughs> that's that's it. Yeah. Right. Uh, cool. Uh, so we have one recurring segment in our uh, podcast. Uh, it's called Fool Me Once. Uh, in this segment, we uh, share some real life stories, uh, which is often funny. Um, but it, it's in general, it's uh, it's there so we can all learn, uh, all of our listeners, but ourselves as well, uh, learn from uh, maybe potential mistakes or events that have happened uh, to somebody uh, so we can uh, grow as a group and hope that we prevent some uh, some issues in the future for yeah. anyone. Learning uh, from each other's mistakes. Exactly, exactly. Uh, it would be bad if uh, everyone had to make those mistakes themselves. Uh, so let's try and learn from each other. Um, that's what I like to think always. So um, I think, Yuri, you have something that you wanted to share. Yeah, I... Um like we had, we had, we talked about social media and about sponsoring. Mm-hmm. And when I was young, we, like I, went to companies just to get some money to get to the next race. But social media made it a bit easier, I guess. Mm. But now I'm an Olympic athlete, and I see a lot of companies reaching out to me yeah. uh, by direct messages, and. Most of them, I don't really react on them, but I had one, uh, yeah, one company that had my interest. They reached out to me, and it was a very cool uh, thing they had. They had like a, a, a wearable magazine. Oh, so they had um, different articles every month on the inside of a T-shirt they made, mm. and the T-shirts were pretty cool, and they. Yeah, they asked me if they, um, they they wanted to collab, and um, I thought it was pretty cool because they wanted to do an article about the sport or me, yeah. and so that was cool. I said yes, and very interested and very enthusiastic. So I received the message back, and he was also very interested and <laughs> enthusiastic, and he sent me a code that I can. Um, get a free t-shirt. I could pick some t-shirt I want. And I got a code and he said, um, yeah, don't share it to anyone. And uh, it's it's your personal code. Mm. And I went to the website. I, I think I maybe looked for two hours which t-shirt looked the best. And I finally picked the right t-shirt and filled out my personal details. And then they asked uh, my credit card number. And then I was like, oh, <laughs> I thought mm-hmm. they were free. So that's when the red flag came and I thought, oh, maybe it's fishing. <laughs> so that's where yeah. I build. That's and I, 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 I just don't know if, if it was legit or not, but yeah. I've, I've 
thought it was weird to ask my credit card details yeah. when it was free. I agree. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Always be careful. Yeah. It, it's 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 better to uh, be more on the side of caution than to uh, try and get something free. <laughs> I think uh, especially free stuff, it's, uh, it's very, uh, very tricky to deal with. Um, I I, ho- I definitely hope uh, you made the right call and I think you did. So that's, uh, that's definitely good. Um, what we can learn here, I think in general, it's just good to uh, be conscious about what you share online. Like this person uh, approached you uh, through social media. So it, trying to, 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 or at least be cautious of what you share. Uh, so those people can't necessarily target you uh, as closely uh, because what you've all, you also uh, hear now, nowadays or semi-regularly at least is uh, people getting approached by fake companies uh, trying to uh, get a, a sponsorship deal, get a collaboration going. Um, and those messages can be really, really targeted and really convincing depending on uh, whatever you share. So... Um, yeah, it's a, it's a tricky business out there. Yeah. <laughs> I think um, same same goes for like average people though. Uh, especially they might not be targeted as much by like collaborations, of course. Because hey, if you're not a public persona, then you don't necessarily get get those opportunities uh, sent to you. But um, in general, the amount of information you as a person put out there can uh, heavily influence. Um, what people are looking for when they uh, try to aim for an attack, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and if so. it's if it looks too good to be true, then it probably is. It yeah. probably is. <laughs> yeah. So better safe than sorry. So I, exactly. I I think you made the right call here as well. Thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah. Let's hope so. Um, right. I think that's it for uh, for our show today. So I want to thank you. Uh, Thank you both for joining. Um, for those that do want to know, uh, Yudi, maybe um, you want to share something on uh, where people can find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram. Just my name, Yudi Bao. Also on Facebook. Oh. And I have my own website. Nice. Well, uh, thanks again. Uh, it was a great show. Thanks. Thanks for having me here. Nice. Thanks. That's it for this episode. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure to follow us on your favorite podcasting platforms. For more information about Awareways, you can visit awareways.com.